your hands on your head and command that thing because guess what? You don't have to live in a spirit of diseased mind. God gave you the power and a love of a sound mind. You don't have to live in a waves crashing constantly in your brain, things going crazy in your mind. You don't have to live like that so you cannot hear the still small voice. It does not have to be so loud all the time. It doesn't. Just because you live in a loud world does not mean your brain has to be switched to full volume all the time. Be still. Be still. That's what I hear the Lord say. Be still. Just like he stood up, he reminded us so clearly in that ship, and he told those waves, shut up. Well, he didn't say shut up. He was nice. But just like you tell your kids in the car, shut up. That's what we're about to do to the voices in your mind. Put your hand on your head. Now, this is not a namby-pamby prayer. I'm not nice like my mama. We don't play. In the name of Jesus. Repeat after me. In the name of Jesus. Be still. Voices, silence. Boxes, check yourself off. In the name of Jesus, we bind depression. We bind worry. We bind commitments. We bind the spirit of comparison. We release you away from us. Lord Jesus, we accept your spirit, your Holy Spirit into our minds. That we would be what you see us. When you look at us, you would see what you see. That when we look in the mirror, we would have clear eyes and see what you see. And I hear him whisper, I want to trade the crown of thorns for the crown of glory. If you've already got a crown on your head, he cannot give you what you are deserved. Your head's busy. Take it off. Take it off. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to. And when you walk out of these doors and you start hearing those voices and those hamsters on wheels in the back of your mind, you say, be still. Be still. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to fight all the other things inside your brain. You're listening for one still, small voice. Just one. Not Facebook. Not Instagram. Not your teachers, not your kids' teachers, not your exes, not your children. Just one voice. That's all you got to listen. Be still. Oh, my God. 
believe it when you said it. Say it till you believe it. I know you love me, Lord. I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus died on a cross for my sins. He paid the price. He was the perfect lamb, the lamb of God that Abraham was looking for when he laid Isaac on the altar. He was the sacrifice for sin for mankind. That's my Jesus. He's my Savior. Would you say he's my Savior? He's my Lord. My life belongs to him. And I'm covered with his righteousness and his blood and his spirit. Amen. And Ooh, is there a Holy Spirit moving in here right now? Ooh, give you chills down your back. Give you that awesome sense of the glory of God that's here to set you. That you know that you know somebody's in the room. We serve a living God. His name is Jesus. Amen. No greater love than he who laid down his life for us. By his blood, we are saved. Amen. Let's just take a moment right here. Praise you. Just stay with me. Just one moment. You know, before we move to that next stage, we need to make sure we're saved. A lot of people in the wilderness not saved. Just wandering around, confused, lost. Don't know what they're doing. Or maybe we wander off the path as that little sheep does to kind of just get lost. Lost in man's systems. Lost in our own opinions. Lost in our own values of life. Well, let's just go to the Father in prayer one more time. I'm going to say the sinner's prayer with you. We're all going to recommit. Let's just start all of Amen. We don't have to know it all. We just have to obey what the Word of God says. There's no other way under heaven whereby we might be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every name will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Put your hand on your heart. Come on, let's say this together. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe He is the Messiah sent to save the world from our sins. I believe He died on a cross and was crucified as the Lamb of God. And He shed His blood for me. I accept His Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Clean me, Lord. And give me a new life. I surrender my heart to you, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I would live with your peace and your comfort all the days of my life. Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Amen. Take a breath. 
peace when you give your life to Jesus. Big mountains roll off your back. Finally, you have the same. Finally. He's saving us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, praise to you. Beautiful worship. Beautiful worship. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We talked about ordained peace, how God has ordained peace for us. But between ordained peace and manifested peace, is wilderness peace. We went to the wilderness today, didn't we? We've been in the wilderness. Some of you may be there now. Some of you are just coming out of a wilderness season in your life. But there is another stage after wilderness. Woo! Somebody say, thank God for that. There is one. He does not intend for you to stay in the wilderness. I'm going to prove to you today It is not the plan of God for you to stay there. You're supposed to learn the lessons and graduate. (laughs) Hallelujah. Manifested peace is the next step you take. Manifest where it actually appears in your life. It's being prepared when the time of fulfillment happens that causes that great and mighty door to open for you called manifested peace. Only God knows when we're truly prepared. We can say, open the door. Come on, God, open the door. I'm ready. I'm so ready. And he says, no, you got to wait a little bit more. Got to learn a little bit more. Got to experience a little bit more. I want you to enlarge a little bit more. But the day does come. I am promising you the day does come when peace manifests. 1 Peter 5 and 10, love this word, says, But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, Did you hear that word? It says it, doesn't it? Write that verse down, 1 Peter 5 and 10, and study it. Put your name in it. But the God of all grace, who has called Gala unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after Gala has suffered for a while. You want to hear the rest of it? Make you perfect. Establish, settle, strengthen you. You ready for the next step? That verse has your name all over it. There's a whole series right here. Oh, my goodness, I could just preach this. Suffered a while. Perfect you. Establish you. Strengthen you. And settle you. That's for another time. There's five more levels. But that's just enough to know 
that it says after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. Ooh, I don't know about you, but that gives me relief because I've suffered a while. One time I told the Lord, you're making me walk on water. He says, yeah, we're walking, aren't we? I said, yeah, but you didn't make me with webbed feet. I still feel like I'm drowning all the time. You got to get me to land. He wanted me to trust him enough to walk on water. I just wanted to get to land. So I totally missed enjoying the whole journey. I wonder if that's how Peter felt. Jesus said, come on, get out of the boat, come on. He walked on water, he got to Jesus, and then he looked around and saw the waves. Oh, and he started sinking. Is that you? That's been me so many times. I forgot to enjoy the journey. He perfected some things in me while I wasn't watching. I was too busy wanting to get to dry land. And he was trying to teach me a whole new skill of trust. That's one of my favorite verses, 1 Peter 5.10. But here's another one. 1 Peter 1 and 4 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Where will you be found when Jesus comes? On what avenue, what placement of your peace are you going to be found? If this is the trial of your faith that's being tried with fire, where are we going to be at when he comes? We're going to be way back here still? Or we going to wrap the way back over here where he just opens the curtains and says, come on home. Two steps. Okay, I'm here. Oh, we're going to have to run to get all the way there. Well, I was waiting on this trial to be over. I was trying to hurry up. God, get there. Wait on me. I'm coming. His coming may catch us in a wilderness experience. His coming may check us when we've just discovered there is peace ordained for me. I haven't yet got it, but I believe it's there for me. His coming may also catch us when it's fully manifested because I believe that there will be saints in every level and stage of the development of their faith before God when he comes. We're not all going to be totally perfected at the same time. Look around in your local church and see that. We're not all at the same level, right? Many times that's what causes confusion misunderstanding between us because we're at different levels and we don't understand that we think we're all at the same level oh no we're not what one thing means to one person means quite another to someone else at their level so when jesus comes and the trial of your faith is one breath from ending where will we be found If we say, God, I'm over here, I'm walking by faith, 
I'm trusting you. I see my peace down the road. What determines that sudden appearing and lifting? The completion of our faith? The ordination of our faith? The wilderness of our faith? No. It just matters. On one verse he says, when I come, will faith be found in the earth? Will we have faith? Depending on what level you're at, in the direction and the distance of your faith, where's your faith? That's what really counts. So Joseph, standing in the courtyard of the prison, now he's in charge of the prisoners. He's the one managing all the people now. Still thinking about those dreams, but they're like, 13 years ago now, a long time, he's 30 years old. He was about 17 when this started in his life. On his journey from the fire of his trial of faith, where was he when God intercepted? I'm waiting on you to get such and such an age so that I can move on your behalf. No. Is waiting on the perfection and the maturation of his faith. And when the time was right, when all points came together, something incredible happened. Now I'm going to need your help. As you live in 2016, long time ago now for you. But I in my mind can sense that there was a whole group of soldiers that marched to the prison. Now, would you just put your hand on the table? We're just going to march together. Don't go too fast. They weren't hurrying. The guys in the prison said, oh, no, who's going to get killed today? They're coming and beheading somewhere. Something's going to happen. I'm not sure what, but the soldiers are coming. Look out and see. I think that's Pharaoh's personal tribe of warriors. Who they want to see down here with us? And they get to the door. And the keeper of the prison says, Who goes there? And the call rings out, open the gate. And they open the gate. And these amazing, incredible words happened. Genesis 41, 14. If you have a hard time remembering where a promise is that you know could happen, think 4-1 and then just twist them backwards. 1-4. Genesis 41, 14. Wow. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. One day it all happened. One 24-hour period, it did come to pass. 
One morning he wakes up to the sound of tramping feet and banging on the walls. They open it and his future instantaneously changed. Now what do you think Joseph did when they called for him? Oh, now what kind of prison are you going to put me in? I thought this was as low as I could go. I mean, what what they do now? They hastily called for him, said, you need to go get a shower. Can you imagine the thoughts in his head when he's rushing off to get a shower? Where did he get a shower in the dungeon? Ain't had no running water. Somehow, the man was cleaned. Somehow, he was shaved, clean-facedness, and gave new clothing or fresh clothing. One day time, his whole appearance changed outwardly. Did he change inwardly? No. He knew too much now. He could speak the language. He knew the customs. He knew the policies. He knew the culture. He knew the politics. He knew Pharaoh. He knew Pharaoh's employees. He knew everything about prison work. He was well trained inside. He wasn't no 17-year-old boy anymore. He'd been to the wilderness. And when they called for him, all he had to do was clean up the outside. He was ready. They speak to him in the Egyptian language. He answers them perfectly. I'm Joseph. Well, Pharaoh needs to see you. And for the first time in all those many years, healing words started to be spoken to Joseph. And this time, this time, no one was cursing him. No one was calling him names. No one was mocking him. No one was ordering him around. No one was belittling him. No one was shoving him down backwards, threatening no one. Suddenly, everybody in the palace wants to hear what he has to say. Can you imagine the astonishment in his heart? Is this really happening? Somebody pinch me. Is this, I mean, is this really happening? I mean, look at these shoes on my feet. I'm wearing shoes now. And whose robe was this? I, I mean... I don't smell. Why would Pharaoh want to see me? And the God of heaven backed up and said, it's your arena now. It's your show. You go, my boy. You do it. Folded his arms, smiled secretly at his son, who see secretly hand-trained for specific work in the earth that one soul One, no backup plan, no plan B. One soul was totally and completely trained to do. Just one. And the curtains roll back and the drama begins. And Joseph is poised. He's a full-grown man. He understands the danger. He understands 
the detriment that can happen to him. He understands the power of his words. He is trained. He is self-controlled. He is disciplined. But he is a weapon in the hand of God. He stands before Pharaoh. Pharaoh gives him a dream. I don't understand this dream. Instantly, Joseph steps back into his father. What's the answer, God? What's this dream mean? He was that close to his father? Yes. Yes, he was. He instantly gives the interpretation. Fully expecting the dream to be accepted or denied in him to go back to the dungeon. Now he didn't believe anymore. That boyhood dreams. He only knew he had a gift. And that was interpreting dreams. He knew he had a gift. And he used it for the Father's glory and not his own. Suddenly there's no more ego. There's no more agenda. Pharaoh, here's your answer. He tells him the answer to the worst famine the world has ever known. That God gave Pharaoh. And from that moment, the healing words that were started to be said over Joseph from Pharaoh himself. After all the years of painful learning and painful memories, he was now raised up in one 24-hour period. And his dreams fulfilled. Most importantly of all things, Joseph was ready. When your dream does appear and your peace does manifest, you will be ready. The Father will make sure that you're ready. Genesis 41:38 says, And Pharaoh said unto his servants, The most wonderful words Joseph had ever heard in his whole life. Can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. Do you know how healing that was for Joseph to hear that? The greatest king in the world is giving him this compliment. There's nobody as wise as you, Joseph. No one as discreet as you, Joseph. I remember one time in my life when my husband and I stepped out by faith, left our denomination, and started to begin to travel the road toward following God. We stepped out in faith and our parents didn't agree with us. Oh, you kids are being silly. You just need to get in here and serve God. Well, we were serving God. We were trying to go the direction the Lord was leading us. As we're going that direction, our friends turn their backs on us. You guys just want to play with the poor people? That's ridiculous. Scorned us, mocked us for taking care of the poor, called us names, turned their back on us. That was really hard to take. Family members didn't speak for years. Not you. Not you. (laughs) Not you. And nevertheless, it was a painful time in our life. Until we got a phone call from the White House of America. 
said, we'd like you to come to Chicago, meet President George Bush. We're looking at each other like, who are they talking to? <laughs> Long story short, we went, we met him. He comes down off the plane, off of Air Force One. That's the most incredible thing. Here we lost the support of our parents. We lost the time and our friends and following God. And the president of America came down the steps, put his arm around me and his other arm around my husband and said, you kids are doing amazing work. I want you to know I believe in you. You keep doing what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing is right. America needs you. Wow. Those words were very healing. You have no idea whose life you can affect positively by the words you speak over them. The Lord sent the President of the United States to encourage a preacher and his wife who'd stepped out by faith to feed the poor. I'm telling you, this was like in the late 80s, and it was not popular then. He did that for us. Do you think it mattered what all the naysayers said any more to me? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, we were quite happy to tell them. Oh, yeah, we took lots of good pictures. You know what? Not one of them said one word, nothing. Nothing is as if it didn't happen. But it was okay because the Lord had healed our hearts with those simple words spoken by the president to us personally. God can put people right in front of you at the right time to speak into your life to heal all the things in one instant. What you think has taken so long can be healed in one 24-hour period, one. I cannot begin to tell you the miraculous things that have happened to us. They're incredible things that leave you speechless in single-day increments. It's amazing. And I often think if we had given up, if we had quit, if we had just went backwards, we'd have missed God. And I'm so glad I never looked back. I'm so thankful for every hard mile. I'm so glad for every tough training season. Do you think Joseph regretted all those years when he stood before the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh said those words in front of the whole court? There's nobody as wise and discreet as you, Joseph. It was worth every long mile, worth every heartache, every tough time to hear the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh himself. How shocked he must have been. And he said other amazing words. Thou shalt be over my house. What? And according to your word shall all my people be ruled. He must have been staggering under these words. Are you kidding me? Is this really happening? This can't possibly be reality. Where's my brothers now? And Pharaoh says, only in the throne will I be greater than you. 
I'm going to be second in the kingdom? You want me to be in charge of your house and your whole rulership and all your people and all your power and your military and your economy? What? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over the land of Egypt. A stunning proclamation that shook him to his core. Not that he wasn't ready. He was ready. Oh, yeah, he was ready. But now he's humbled. He's so humbled. He has such a quiet spirit. I don't believe he was hopping around, shouting around, Woohoo! Praise God! Glory to God! Amen! No way! All that had been knocked out of him a long time ago. I think he suddenly felt the weight and the responsibility of feeding an entire nation. And he had the quiet assurance of who was standing shoulder to shoulder with him. And he knew he didn't have the ability, but he knew who did. And that made him prepared. And something else amazing. Amazing things just kept breaking out and happening. Verse 42 says, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. See this little pretty ring right here? There's 52 diamonds in this ring. I'm going to tell you a story about this ring because you need to know. One time I was having a really tough wilderness experience. And I had the word of God and I was weeping. I have several Bibles that have tear stains all through the pages. And the pages are kind of stuck together now, but they're very precious to me. And on this particular day, I had put, I had opened it to the book of Psalms. And I had held it to my face and I was weeping. And the Lord said, stop weeping stop reaping, stop weeping and start reading okay so i quit crying and start trying to read and i read the most amazing verse it said you will show me a token for good that my enemies will see it i put my finger on that verse i said god i need a token from you to me i need a token I'm not kidding I need a token, something to remind me that I'm not in this hell by myself. Somehow, you're in the dark with me. I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't, I'm not inspired. I'm not nothing. I feel dead. But I need a token. I prayed the prayer, went on to work. About a week later, I'm at our warehouse, and I'm loading boxes for a shipment. Now, I just had a single diamond ring, real simple little ring. And somehow, in the loading of those boxes, my diamond fell out. It was lost. I didn't know what had happened until I got to choir practice. Raised my hands to leave the choir. I was like, <gasps> I was so shocked about it that I made a facial expression. I didn't have my actress hat on that day. And I was like, <gasps> my diamond is gone. That's the final straw. (laughs) I'm done. 
How many times you said that? It's like the song that never ends. I said that so many times I'm done. After choir practice, two women in my choir came up to me, and both of them said, independent of each other, I have a ring at home. I'm never going to wear it again. I'm going to give it to you. You go have a ring made out of my diamond and, you know, let the Lord replace it. I thanked them graciously. I was so like, wow, that's amazing. I put both rings in my drawer. I didn't have time to deal with them. Go to church, they'd say, did you deal with those rings yet? No, but I will. I didn't wear a wedding ring then. I, I will. Six weeks later, I'm back at the warehouse. God is my witness, and may he receive all the glory for what I'm about to tell you. At the end of a long day, I'm kneeling down by this metal tape, work table. I have long table. I'm kneeling down I'm saying, God, please multiply this food. Make it be enough for the people that are in crisis. I don't even remember what country it was. But I was just praying, Lord, bless it. I always do that. Pray the multiplication of loaves and fish over every shipment. And I lost my balance. I got dirt, dirty work jeans on, my, te- my tennis shoes, and I just like fell back on my knees. I fell back, and I slipped my hand back to catch myself, and my hand slipped under a pallet. Do you know what a pallet is? And I felt this little tiny pebble under my finger. You know what my exact words were? Can I just be honest to you what my exact words were? I froze. And I said in my head, there's no way in hell that's my diamond. (laughs) That's what I said in my head. I've dealt with a lot of hell stuff. But just in case, I'm going to look. I picked it up and it was my diamond. Blew me away. I went running out, showing everybody. Everybody's like, wow, that's really something. That's special. Wow, good to grief. When nobody even looked for it. How would you even know where to look? But God knew exactly where it was, and he knew when to have me fall backwards. You hear me? Fall backwards and put my hand under a dirty, filthy pallet. Probably had spider webs under it. And put my hand right on top of that diamond. Are you kidding One inch here or there, I never would have known it. But he is truly in charge of you, even when you think he's not. He is. When will we trust that? So I took the diamond. I tried to take the two rings back to the women. Both women said, oh, no, I ain't taking that ring back. You're supposed to go have a big mama ring made. I took everything to the jeweler. He creates this ring for me. The day he gave it to me, and I put it on my hand, I slipped it on. I was like, wow, that's really special. He's telling me how important it is, valuable it is. I put it on, and when it hit my hand, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's my token for you. And I cried. Something is tiny. It's tiny. Lost in the dirt. Not even searched for. It mattered to him. Every tiny detail of your life matters to God. Even when you don't even pray for it. 
Even when you don't even have the faith for it. You don't even look for it. It's just like, well, that's hopeless. Matters to him. That's my token from my father. To me, Gala. Between the two of us. There's a covenant between the two of us. I can only imagine how Joseph must have felt that day. When he's watching Pharaoh and all of his splendor and his golden robes and peacock feathers flowing and ostrich feathers fanning the air and the glory of that house and that court and Pharaoh stands up and takes his ring off. Just put your hand out. And gives him his ring. Now Joseph has this faint memory in his mind of when he was a boy and he had a coat of many colors. How beautiful it was. Just a small memory. He never even prayed how God would ever restore that. He never even prayed about it. You know, his brother said, covered it in blood and lied with his, to his dad about it. That coat was gone forever. You could pray about that. But God, who cares about the smallest detail, who knows how many hairs are on your head, he's counted the hairs on your head. That's how much he cares about you. Made Pharaoh do incredible things, put his ring on his finger, and the next verse says, and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. Joseph's coat of many colors was a beggar's outfit compared to the king's garment he was going to wear. What was coming to him was greater than his own dad's I wonder if Joseph thought about that when he put those fine vestments on. Wow. Is this really happening to me? I'm wearing a king's robe. I'm wearing something that is the most expensive thing I've ever seen in my life. And it fits me. God's future for you fits you like a glove. It's tailor-made for your life. Every detail of it has been customly crafted to fit you and you alone. Joseph holds up his hand, sees the ring, smooths the garment, feels the king's robe, senses gold around his neck. And then another amazing thing happened. You see, when God's blessing does finally start spilling over, it's like reap, 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 reap. When the harvest does come, all kinds of things start breaking loose for you. It doesn't always just be one time. No, blessings have a habit of coming in numbers. I hadn't counted those numbers. I hadn't counted those blessings, but we could count them. Joseph was dragged 
by his brothers and thrown in a pit. And then he was taken out of the pit and probably a slave's collar put on him and dragged behind the camels. And now all of a sudden, verse 43, and he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And Pharaoh made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. I'm going slow because I want it to dawn on you every detail of this incredible day in Joseph's life. When peace finally manifested. If God is no respecter of persons, Joseph, when is your day going to come? Or should I say Josephina? When is your day going to come? I'm reminded of a verse that says there's a great treasure laid up for those. I don't have that verse right now, but there is a great treasure laid up for you ahead. Everything you've sacrificed. Everything you had to give up, everything that was taken away from you, every person that you had to lose, every grief, every loss, every detail of your life has been safely encapsulated by God himself for your future. To bring you to an expected end. Manifested peace will make us cry when it appears. But for the first time ever... It will not be tears of grief. It will be tears of joy. (laughs) It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. You know that old song? Life's trials will seem so small when we see God. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run this race till we see God. Joseph must have thought, I'm in heaven. I, I have appeared. I have arrived. This, My goodness, how can this be happening to me? And he went to bed that night. And for the one millionth time in his life, thought about his dreams. Oh, how quickly the definition can change when God finally steps in. Oh, how quickly our understanding of something will totally switch when he decides it's time. Be careful that our judgments of those things that have happened to us do not just trip our own feet. Better to leave them. Better to leave them in the hands of the living God. Because his judgment of that is greater than we can even imagine. How he's going to use that to provide you a seat in the kingdom. A seat in the kingdom? You mean I'm going to be in Pharaoh's court? The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with him. 
And who are we to say what is the experiences that we're going to need to set on so we know how to rule and reign with wisdom? My understanding of this will be totally changed in the next 24 hours if God decides it's time. What I thought I understood can be just like Joseph. My dream about the sun, moon, and stars. I wonder if the sun, moon, and stars is on that robe. I'm going to get up and go look at that that embroidery on that robe and see if the sun, moon, and stars is on that robe. Sheaves of wheat, and I'm going to be in charge of the food of Egypt, and the wheat's going to bow down to me. Oh, my God. I I get it. The wheat itself, the food itself, I'm going to be in charge of. What a mind-blowing understanding and revelation that must have been. I bet he fell out of the bed in shock thinking about that. I couldn't have understood. And then all of a sudden, his understanding of his own brothers changed. Oh, poor things. They just didn't know. Like I didn't know. I caused them to act that way. Because I didn't know what God was trying to do in me. I couldn't have possibly understood. Certain things will happen in the details of the fulfillment of the plan of God in your life. Certain details will happen. And here's one of them. God cares about your relationships. He does care. He wants us to have relationships. Another amazing thing happened to Joseph in verse, I'm sorry, 4629. I'm skipping forward in the story to hit this one verse right here. And Joseph made ready his chariot. Now he's used to the chariot. He's been ruling in Egypt. He is accustomed to his own authority. Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen, and presented himself in his fine robe to his daddy. Hi, Dad. It's Joseph. What a mighty reunion that must have been. And the verse goes ahead and says, And he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. All the heartbreak, all the soul searching, all the abuse and agony and pain, missing his dad in his dad's agony and pain. And the father God stood back and watched the drama unfold. With such a joy as his son and son reunited. Who had the greater joy with the manifested peace? Would it be Joseph or his dad or God? It was God who enjoyed seeing Joseph weep on his father's neck. It was God who saw fulfillment happen in that parental healing. It was God 
who caused it and God who fulfilled it. Why? To bring Joseph for such a time as this. My sister, my friend, how do you know what God's got destined for you? Are you not called into the kingdom for such a time as this? Is there not great plans and great things God has been gearing you up for, training you for, stretching you with? Have you not had great losses and great griefs in your life because there is a determination coming? There's a fulfillment going to happen where the Father is anticipating, I can't wait until I thrill her socks off. I'm going to amaze my daughter so much I can't wait. I'm going to blow her mind when she sees how I guided her every breath. Our Jesus made a promise to us. He said, John 14, 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You're not going out into the world without me. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to make it all things worth. Everything's going to happen. It's all going to make sense. Just trust me. Just follow me. Just live for me. Let me drive your life. The very end of Joseph's life, there's two incredible verses. Tell me God's not into details. Joseph lost his dad at 17 years old. Genesis 37 verse 2 says, Here's the incredible thing. And Joseph gained his father back for 17 years. Genesis 47:28. And the God of all heaven and earth smiled. Don't worry, my boy. I'm going to replace every hard life, every hard mile. Every tough thing you've been through, I'm going to replace every year you lost. My son, I'm going to give you 17 years with Joseph again. You tell me God's not interested in the details of life. That's proof right there. It's going to be all right in your life. That's proof. You need not fret. You don't need to worry about it no more. Settle it. God's going to make it happen like he wants it to. You're quite safe. Be it a million storms sweep across your life. It's all right. He gives you peace that passes all understanding. Manifested peace means I'm at the end. I have completed ordained peace, wilderness peace. And I stayed to the course, and it has arrived. Not just over there in glory. I believe I'm in the generation where the end of all things is about to happen. I get to be at the end of the story. And I'm being trained for the end of the story. How about you? Are we being trained for the greatest battle of all time? Are we being trained? Are you going to play a role in that time? Instead of running in fear, stand up and say, he's called me. 
He trusts me enough to believe in me. He chose me. He chose you. It's an amazing thought to think of that God has chosen you for such a time as this. That the peace that passes all understanding is supposed to guard your heart and mind every day. He said it would. We walk from the position we're in right now. And I speak words of life over you and say it is time to move from the position you've been in. Accept the battle that's in your plate. Accept it. Accept the challenge that's before you. Learn, grow, develop, learn everything about the battle you're facing. Why? You're being prepared for a great and final day when Pharaoh You don't know who God's going to put you in front of. You have no idea. But if you think about your background and what you've been through and the things you've learned, you've been being educated a long time for something important, something special. And all it takes is one person, one, to change your life. One. You don't have to make it happen. Forget turning stones into bread. Forget jumping off the pinnacle. Forget trying to make it happen. Forget it all and just love the Lord. Learn everything you can. Glorify him in every position that you're in. And see what God does. John fourteen twenty one says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. And this powerful statement, and I will manifest myself to him. When's the last time God manifested in your life? There's your promise. Be comforted today. Be at peace today, sister. Be still. There's a ring coming for your hand. There's a robe of righteousness coming for you. There's a chariot you're going to ride in. You're going to rule and you're going to reign. There's whole dominions you may be in charge of. You don't know. Be faithful to the end. Till you hear those great and final words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Come on in. To the joy of the Lord. Those are the greatest words you will ever hear spoken over you. And those are the only words that matter. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, manifest the power of God and the love of God in you, is our duty. And it's what we're going to accomplish in the earth. There's one more stage in this whole development of peace in our life. One more. After you have been to the place of having ordaining peace in your life, and you've been through the wilderness of peace, and it has manifested, there's one more stage. That's for Sunday morning. (laughs) Be well. Be strong. Be filled. Be comforted. Be released. 
Be still. Be joyful. The great king of glory knows what he's doing in your life. And it shall come to pass. Amen. Turn to somebody and say that. Be still. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I am I'm so encouraged. How about y'all? Yes. Are you revived and re- and refueled to carry on with your journey? Yes. We can't go back. We can't stay here. We can enjoy the journey so we can go forward. Boy, I can't wait for that full manifestation of peace. One thing that you did bring up, I want to just emphasize, the very thing that Pharaoh said to Joseph, there is no other man that I've found to be as discreet and as wise as you. What were the two things he was lacking when he was 17? (laughs) You know... He was not discreet with the dreams. God didn't say, I'm going to give you these dreams, now go tell your brothers. He didn't say that. So in his foolishness, he's like, blah, 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 blah. And they all got mad at him, and God's like, okay, it's okay. We're going to figure this out. and Take you a few years, but when it's time, the very things I need to have worked out in you will be worked out in you. You will be known by the head of the land as discreet, and wise. Here's my kingdom. Go rule it. Wow. So, which state do you all want to rule? Texas, California. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, let's start with their house. <laughs> let's start with the Lord ruling us, bringing us into His order. Allowing him to take out what needs to be taken out so that when that day of that door opening for that manifested peace, we are ready and positioned with wisdom and discretion. Put your hand on your heart. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for Miss Debbie and her team preparing this amazing feast for us. Thank you for bringing my sister Gayla here, Dr. Gayla Holly, to come and pour into us. Father, help us to seal these words into our heart, God. Help us to mull over them and meditate on them and to allow you to continue to mold and shape us into what we are called to be and to take out whatever needs to leave. We lay ourselves at your feet saying we, and we just say, Lord Jesus, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Please come back in the morning. Because I don't know about you, but I want to hear about that next step. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you for coming.